It's a Saturday night podcast. It's late. It's about ten past eleven at night. The house is lovely and quiet. There's nobody here apart from me and this microphone. It's raining outside. So I thought I would get on with the podcast. It's just been that hectic recently. Uh, I've just been dashing around like a, a mad fool. Uh... I mean, honestly, it's just been it's just been stupid. And that was even over the bank holiday. There was plenty going on over the extended bank holiday. It was extended because of the royal wedding. We had uh, the Friday off um, as well as the Saturday, Sunday and the Monday. And I was working on that as well. There was plenty going on, celebrations and various other different things that needed to be covered. Uh, so this is the first opportunity I've had to be able to record anything. Um, and it's rather nice doing it at night. It's sort of I must admit I'm a, I am a bit of a night owl person. I tend to work on Photoshop and things like that at night. Do a lot of my post production late on. Like I say, you know, mainly because it's peaceful. Right, we will start off with a bit of news, a bit of um, housekeeping, so to speak, and it's regarding the blog. A while ago I mentioned I was going to do a photographer profile about Lee Miller. Now as those of you who visit the blog on a regular basis or have been following me for a while will know, the photographer profile series uh, is where I take a famous photographer and I profile them. It's it's quite an easy thing really. Um, It it does take a bit of work, it does take a bit of research. Um, I use books and I use the internet, things like that. And I put up um, a bit of a biography, a few of their pictures, uh, and a few links to various of the different websites where I think um, viewers might like to go and see some of their work. And uh, to be frank, they are the most successful posts on my website. I get considerably far more hits for doing the profile series than anything else. I think the from the top three posts that I have done for the Richard Flint photography um, blog, that's the word I was looking for, for the blog, two out of the three are profiles. And they are George Roger and Margaret Borg-White. The third most popular post is a review I did about my Billingham 445 camera bag uh a lot of people seem to enjoy having a look at the review and some people have even uh, commented underneath about how you know it's it's made them go out and buy one so that that's great anyway i wanted to do a profile to start uh this year's series of profiles it's going to be about four or five during the summer i would imagine um and anyway i wanted to do lee miller first of all lee miller really uh, because Margaret Borg White has got such a massive response. A lot of people have said, you know, thanks for doing um, a profile about a great female photographer. Uh, we tend to forget, you know, that a lot of photographers were were male, and there were some really, really fantastic female photographers out there. Margaret Borg White and Lee Miller were two of the best photographers during World War Two, regardless of sex. They were the best two photographers out there, and I really want to do Lee Miller. However, for the first time, I've come across some quite tight copyright controls when it comes to her work. So, 
I've delayed the posting of the Lee Miller profile until I can clarify that I can use the pictures without either being sued or receiving a nasty email saying, you know, take this post down. I don't see the point in me doing the work to write it, to put it up and say, you know, hey, look at this great, fantastic photographer. Look at her life, look at her work. Uh, and then be told by her estate to take it down because I'm infringing her copyrights. I would rather work with them than against them. So that's the reason why the Lee Miller one is taking so long. There is another one coming up for May that I'm I'm just about to start. And I will tell you who it is so you'll get an exclusive now if you're listening to this. Uh, it is Bob Carlos Clark. And the main reason for that is Bob Carlos Clark was a big influence on my black and white work when I was first starting out as a photographer in the uh, in the 80s. That's an amateur photographer, not a professional one. When I started getting all of the photography magazines and things, you know, practical photography, amateur photographer, there was uh, a lot of advertising for AGFA at the time. They were big into their black and white uh, photography. And they used to advertise a, a heck of a lot in a lot of the UK photography magazines. Bob Carlos Clark usually used to be the guy who was the photographer who was, um, what's the word, publicising their, their products. You know, I use Ag for Papers, Record Rapid and various other different things, uh, you know. So he did have... A remarkable effect on what I consider to be good black and white photography. So that's the reason why I want to include him. That will be coming out sometime around the middle of May. And I will try and get the Lee Miller one sorted out as soon as possible. Other than that, there hasn't really been any other serious news about anything uh, you know the website's going on there's one or two things that need tweaking with the new website um sadly the figures for the podcast it's been a bit of a, a rough transition from one to the other i think i've lost quite a few people which is a bit sad but i suppose it's to be expected i have heard you know that if you stop doing podcasts people get bored decide you know if there's no activity on the thing they decide to go elsewhere or if you change the feed but I, I felt that I didn't really have any choice. The podcast was going nowhere as it was unless I started investing some serious capital into it. And it's not really reached that point. And why invest capital when you can get just as good a service? Like, like I said in the podcast a couple of podcasts ago, why invest cash when you can get a service that offers the same or in excess of that bandwidth for nothing? you might as well go to the other service and save yourself a few quid that you can put into buying film or a new lens or something like that, mind you. So that's one of the other things that I've got to work on. There has been a bit of a redesign over the last month or so with one or two of the sites. The The Twitter site, for instance, has had a bit of a tidy up. The Darker Skies website, where the podcast has a page... Uh, with all of the links and things, that's had a bit of a tidy up as well. But other than that, there's really it's just being me going out shooting. It's photography link time, and we start off with 25 years after Chernobyl, a village persists. 
This is on the Lens photo blog. That's a New York Times photo blog, of course. The photos were done by Kerry MacDonald, and they focus in on a couple who have decided to stay in their home, which is located 22 miles away from Chernobyl. Um, as Of course, everybody will remember that there was a terrible nuclear accident at Chernobyl in 1986, the worst nuclear accident to have occurred so far and a lot of people decided to stay people are actually going back mainly because they've got nowhere else to go of course you know they're attached to where they live like most people are and if you're told that you've got to move and there's no chance of you going back ever a lot of people are going to balance up the risk with the feeling that they don't want to leave their home so they they decide to go back there's loads and loads of great shots that Kerry has taken you know it certainly shows uh, the effects that a nuclear incident can have on an environment and on the people Shot number 11 is probably the one that I like the best. There is a little story connected to it, and it's basically the phone rings while the photojournalist was there. The lady answers it, and of course she's that amazed because the phone hasn't worked in about a year. So it's just a nice little story that goes along with, with the photos. The photos are absolutely excellent. They really do stand out. One thing I might mention about the New York Times is they have gone over to a paywall model... It is quite a sophisticated one, though. If you go there via a link from Twitter or from Facebook, you can still view the pictures. So I would recommend that you do that, because otherwise you have 20 visits and that's it. You're locked out for the month, and then you have another 20 visits the next the next time. That doesn't count if you go there via a Twitter or a Facebook link. Yeah, it doesn't count against you. So... I was quite worried that I wasn't going to be able to get the access to the the pictures before, but being as I view a lot of these images via Twitter links, um, I haven't encountered any problems so far. So what I would recommend is, is if you do like the New York Times blog, follow them on Twitter. It's as simple as that. You don't have to follow anybody else. Just follow the ones that you want and do it that way because you'll still be able to view all of the galleries and things when they flag them up. You'll be able to go there via Twitter and it won't it won't block you out at all. Whereas if you actually go direct to the site and start having a look around, if you visit, you know, five pages every day, that means that within, you know, four days you're going to run out of visits and you're going to have to start paying the subscription or... Uh, you'd probably just have to start looking at them via the the photography galleries via Twitter anyway. It's a good way of keeping up with what's being put on the site anyway via Twitter. So that's probably the best way. Do it via the Facebook page um, or do it via Twitter because that way you won't run into any problems viewing the, the, the various pages. The next link. Well, the Civil War was big in April, the anniversary of the the American Civil War. Life had a whole lot of fantastic galleries, but the one that I've decided to pick out are a set of Matthew Brady um, shots. Matthew Brady was a Civil War photographer 
he didn't actually take all of the photos. He had quite a lot of photographers working for him, but they they all all of the pictures ended up under his name. So, you know, he did you know have quite a a, a booming business in photographing people. And what he decided to do was uh, basically do portraits and do all sorts of things as well as document the battlefield. And some of the portraits uh, that I've decided to choose to, to link to for this podcast are women. There's about... I can't remember exactly how many links there is. There's 23 pictures anyway, but they're all portraits. The quality is absolutely fantastic when you consider that it's the 1860s. Uh, all of the, the the character of the the sitters uh, is there. There's virtually no grain in the pictures. Some of the quality of um, you know the, the some of the photos could be better, uh, but that's mainly because you know they've got to go through history without being scratched and things. And some of them have come through better than others. But generally speaking, the quality of the work is outstanding, and they have lasted uh, through the years incredibly well. There's loads of Brady work on life, uh, the Life website. I would certainly have have a look at the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. This deals with the individuals who were responsible for planning and carrying out the assassination. They are compelling images as well. They they have quite a ghostly, um, rather spooky look. They really do. They. They do look as though they were taken yesterday, some of the the photos. They do have a very timeless appeal, really. Okay, the next... The next... Ah, the next link. Now, this is one I did on my blog. Uh, And I'm not going to apologise for mentioning it on the podcast either. But this is Mark E. Hogan Camp, and this is Marwan Cole. I unfortunately missed a documentary that was on British TV last week, and this was a documentary that had been made about Hogan Camp and the one-sixth scale town that he's built, where he has created a Belgian town, a World War Two Belgian town. Um... And as you can imagine, you know, that's quite unusual behaviour. What he's done is he's created his own therapy. He he was attacked rather violently. So badly, in fact, that his mother didn't recognise him. And he ended up losing a lot of his uh, memories. He served, I think it was 12 years in the Navy, something like that. And he lost all of that. He wasn't able to, to talk. He had no language. It was... Uh, a horrific attack on him and the therapy lasted for about 12 months afterwards that's the professional therapy and then the money ran out so he had to come up with his own and he went back to using these action man G.I. Joe type characters each one has got a personality and he's done these photographs uh, as a way of telling stories they're like comic strip Images, just stills taken from a, a comic book. And the amazing thing is, is he's managed to put together some fantastic photos. Some of them aren't so good. Some of them are, are rather obvious and maybe could do with a bit of Photoshop work. But some of them really, really do capture the, the World War Two atmosphere of 
uh, fighting. I mean, on the blog, I actually posted one image, which was the protectors of Marwan Cole return from a patrol. It's basically, you know, a couple of jeeps heading back uh, to base after being on patrol, and there's lights coming through the trees and things like that in the background and it is very atmospheric it's brilliant that's probably one of the best images on there what i found fascinating is the way that photography was used as a therapeutic tool he's obviously working through these things the best way he can and he's being creative in the fact that he's doing these images which are now regarded as art by a lot of people but they're helping him as well and it also begs the question of how and why we do photography anyway. I know professional photographers do photography to earn a living. But there's also something about photography which is incredibly hypnotic, addictive, uh, and maybe therapeutic for us all. I think we do take photographs to as a way of relaxing some of us. I, I certainly do. Uh, a lot of my Norfolk images that you may have seen on the, the the blogs and various other different places I take as a way of unwinding. Photography is different for different people. That's a great thing about it. You can do whatever you want with it. You don't have to be particularly brilliant with a camera to have fun with a camera. Uh, and that's what I like about these pictures. Like I say, they're not all technically brilliant. Some of them, you know, are a bit obvious, but there are quite a few gems in there which are certainly worth having a look at um like i say i just wish i'd seen that that film because the film looks looks quite appealing the the link i will give on the link section will also uh, contain a youtube link okay then that's it for the podcast for this month as usual, all of the links can be found in the usual places, the address of which will be coming up soon. I'll also put a couple of surprise links in there. It's been a very busy month for photography. For more information on these podcasts, go to richardflintphoto.com forward slash podcasts. And for details about the links mentioned in this podcast, go to darker-skies.com forward slash podcast. Podcast.